This time on Holy Ghost Notes. You're a huge Creed fan. I go to get to get all day long. This is the guy that just did that. Uh, you can plead the fifth if you want. These kids all know I suck. Like, this is, <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to the Holy Ghost Notes. My name is Mac Reiner, and my co-host is Tim Anderson. Yo. And today we have a guest. <clears throat> we, um, we're really excited to have guest episodes. It's not as often as maybe uh, we'd like it to be, so when it happens, it's really special. It's really cool, mm-hmm. especially when the guests um, have as much insight and... I don't know, have have just as much experience as our guest today has. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Tim, I'm, I'm currently on tour. Yep. I have uh, three shows under my belt. Tour's going really well. We're on tour with We Came as Romans and Hollow Front. Nice. And currently sitting in a hotel lobby about 50 yards away from Lake Seneca. Okay. So it's it's a nice setting for an off day. Weather's not great, but on an off day, your goal is just to relax, and it doesn't really matter um, if your plans change. I think actually today we were going to get on a boat and cruise around Lake Seneca, at least some of the guys, and unfortunately the weather changed, so that didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's it's really good to be back on tour. We are just talking about it in pre-roll. I just got married just over two months ago. And we were talking about how, you know, my wife left for Costa Rica the morning after I left for this tour. Hmm. And so it was funny. We were packing our suitcases at the same time. I'm leaving for six weeks on this tour. <laughs> she, she's leaving for eight days to go to Costa Rica, um, taking somewhere between 30 and 40 high schoolers on a mission wow. trip. So she has uh, a lot of work ahead of her. She's doing a VBS down there, vacation Bible cool. school and... Really, really proud of her, but it's our it's our first tour, you know, being married. And mm-hmm. so, like you were saying, you know, how is it going to go? Is it going to be really challenging? It's been incredible. Um, I think the primary reason for that is prayer is powerful, mm. and there's been a lot of prayer from our families and and also from Annie. Um, and then also before I left, I was talking to her about how what we have at at home is so strong and um, just so life-giving that I feel like I can go on tour and the pendulum isn't swinging as far on either side of like a really good day or a really bad yeah. day. There's just more sure. stability right down the center because I know I'm going home in the end and nothing out here really touches um, my identity or my life as I know it back home. Yeah, I guess I really haven't had that in a long time on tour sure just kind of feel like you're floating at times and you're just doing the best you can so it's been really really good and i I feel i feel really lucky to be in that um chapter of life right now yeah i'm so glad to hear that man yeah i I was as i was saying i've been thinking about you guys a lot and uh you know um i know it's not the easiest thing in the world but it's it sounds like it's it's working out so i'm glad it is it's really good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. I, um, I'm doing uh, my my mental state, which I guess is how I gauge how well I'm doing. <laughs> is, right. <laughs> is, is great. I'm I'm in a great headspace right now. Life is good. Um, I am I'm still busy. You know, not much has changed yeah. on that front. Um, sure. My uh, my son just got over the stomach bug this weekend. Um, so mm. we, I had a I had a big weekend plan. We were going to see a bunch of people that we hadn't seen in a while. And Friday night, my son wakes up at like one a.m. and uh, oh, his stomach no. doesn't feel good. And we were up, we we were awake probably till eight a.m. I think we went back to sleep mm-hmm. around eight a.m. after a few trips to the bathroom and <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, you know sleeping on the couch downstairs with the TV on and you know mm-hmm. so it was a it was a rough weekend and I'm kind of like still recovering from. Uh, just lack of sleep and exhaustion, yeah. but man, I, I'm uh, I'm as happy as can be, and I'm loving life right now. And uh, this uh, this conversation that we we had with uh, with Dango just made me all that much more uh, excited and and happy. It was a uh, I got a lot from it, so mm-hmm. it's cool. Same, I did too. It was cool hearing about 
the bands I grew up, maybe not so much listening to, but when you say a band you grew up with, it just brings back all the nostalgia of that era. Yeah. So like hearing um, you know, Amber Pacific and Super Chick. My sisters loved Super Chick. Yeah. Um, there is a certain era in the CCM Christian world that I, I, I just don't think a whole lot about because yeah. I'm so far removed from it now. But as soon as someone says something, it just brings it all back. Yeah. You just remember your 15-year-old self and your youth group and the friends you'd hang out with and the CDs you had. And and let's be honest, Matt, you're a huge That's... Creed fan. <laughs> uh, I know I, that about you. <laughs> I, I am a huge Creed fan. <laughs> Creed, Creed is a band that has definitely put out some bangers. Oh, yeah. Um, regardless of where you stand on that, I love Creed. I could take it or leave it or I'm not a big fan. You know one of their songs. Yeah, for uh, sure. Unless you were just born yesterday. <laughs> right. Um, hits. Mm-hmm. Hits upon hits. Yeah, man. So that and, was really cool, actually, to hear some of the, the insight he has about Scott getting, you know, I guess he's been sober for eight years. Yeah. Dango said, and he's a health nut, really takes care of himself, takes it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to, to hear be that. doing it all these years later, it seems like that's really the only way you could could get there. Yeah, yeah. Full disclosure, I am also a huge Creed fan. I think Human Clay, I've listened to more than maybe, I would say most other albums in my. Oh, you actually are a huge. I Creed actually fan. am a huge Creed okay, fan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that aside, I'm a huge Creed fan. When I was thirteen, 12, you actually are. Uh, when I was twelve, I think. 12, I learned how to play My Sacrifice with my best friend. Mm-hmm. And we actually played it in like three or four different talent shows, just instrumental. <laughs> it was like <laughs> our favorite song part. for it's a while. True yeah, it's it no vocals. Uh, <laughs> we, just, we just played it. I was on the kit and he was on guitar and no bass, no, no other guitar, just That's really no funny. Vocals. Did people sing along? <laughs> I don't even know if most Did people knew know? what song we were playing. I was gonna say, I, <laughs> but <laughs> it was it was fun. But uh, obviously, you know, left that out of our <laughs> our conversation with Dango. But um, yeah, um, so I <laughs> I I, uh, I was drawn to uh, to Dango first off because I, I saw that he was playing with Scott, and um, I uh-huh. thought that was interesting. And then I was like wondering, well, does like Scott have new originals that he, that he plays, or is he playing? like classic Creed songs and it looks like it's like a mixture of both but either way that's yeah. what drew me to him in the first place and and man this guy is such a cool guy like I'm so glad that mm-hmm. this podcast itself has really opened up um, just a lot of relationships and conversations that never would have happened otherwise like mm-hmm. if there's one thing that I've gotten from this it's like I never would have reached out to this guy because there's no reason for me to ever send him a message Except that I saw that he'd be perfect for this podcast, and so we got to have him on. And so here I am reaching out to to this random drummer in Nashville that maybe we've crossed paths before, but I don't know him. And uh, and and here we are having a, an hour long conversation that I'll never forget. It's like it's just really mm-hmm. uh, it's really something else, man. So I I yeah. uh, I appreciate that. I I feel honored to be a part of this Holy Ghost Notes journey along with everyone mm-hmm. listening um, because, uh, yeah, it's just been a really fun and, and cool experience. Yeah, absolutely, especially if you're a huge Creed fan like you are. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, maybe you f- you fit into one of the two categories here. One is uh, you're a huge Creed fan, and the other is you have respect for Creed and what they've done, but you're not a huge fan um, like myself. Um, either way... And in any other category in which you might fall, you're going to like this episode, and um, let's get right into it. So enjoy this guest episode with Dango. All right. 
What's up, Dango? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started about how um, you and I started talking and and realized that you're kind of a perfect fit for this podcast <laughs> as far as what we talk about. And um, I'm excited to, to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Oh, absolutely. I was honored you asked. And I mean, haven't met either of you guys, so I was excited to meet you both and just get to talk real life and music and drums and our faith. That's like, that's perfect, perfect setting for conversation, for meeting new people for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. For sure. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What's uh, what's a, a day in the life of Dango look like? Uh, the last couple of years have been interesting for everybody with the pandemic. Um, yeah. But basically, I teach lessons from home. So I have a drum studio here. I spent several thousand to put one in my house. And um, so like today, yesterday I got off a plane. I was out all weekend filling in with a country artist. Today I have lessons. I do um, also do recording here. I've got a remote studio for session stuff. And then I sometimes play in town and then I'll be back on tour this weekend with Scott Stapp, the singer Creed, who I've been with for seven years. And we've gotten to go all over the world with him, which has been awesome. So I really enjoy the diversity of just getting to play and teach and record and really to play in a lot of different styles as far as rock, pop, country, um, worship, and then was in a punk band for a lot of years. So those are all the musical things I do. And then I'm a Christian, and so my life goal has just been as a follower of Jesus to share that with people, to encourage people to share my faith and just be genuine and real. I'm not the best example, not the best drummer, but I'll just try to be real with people and just love people. And that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. You just said something that reminds me of, um, (laughs) I I was watching footage last night of Maverick City. Um, They, have you heard of Maverick City? Oh yeah. yeah. So, so Maverick City's doing stuff with Kirk Franklin. Uh, To what extent, I'm not totally sure, but Kirk Franklin was in this video I saw on Instagram, I think. And I, th- I think he was playing, he was, he was in his hometown and it seemed like it was a big, you know, homecoming show. It was sold out. Fort Worth, Texas is where it is. And I remember him saying on stage, it was like a highlight reel. And he's like, <clears throat> he's like, I'm not, I'm not the best performer. I'm not the best entertainer. I'm, I'm definitely not the best voice. Um, he was, he was putting himself in this certain context or, and he was using the perspective of just the mammoth singers that are around him in yeah. in Maverick City and just in the gospel world. But just yeah. after that, there was a news headline that ran about how much he's done and how much he's accomplished. I mean, mm-hmm. he is so he is such a decorated musician. Yeah, for and, sure. And um, I thought it was really cool. It kind of stuck with me that he talks about himself in a way that's realistic. He's He's not the best voice. He's not the best entertainer. But what he does with what he has is is amazing and he's a very popular name so much so that he is with Maverick City and they're both helping each other out in this in this yeah, kind of sure. new frontier in worship music so what you just said reminded me of that and I think I think it speaks to this idea of like you don't have to be the best to be doing a good job and to be successful there's so many other attributes to being successful as a musician Tim and I talk about that all the time it's like what does it take to be yeah. a pro drummer the funny thing is it doesn't take necessarily being a great drummer there are other attributes to it um so it just you know rings true with what we've talked about quite a bit that's awesome yeah that's actually a really good uh transition matt because i was going to ask uh so so dango on our last episode we actually kind of broke down uh what it takes to be a pro or like some attributes (laughs) and qualities that define a pro. Uh, so I'm curious to know um, how you might define that. What would it? What would you say are some qualities that define a professional in this field? Yeah, I love getting asked this. I probably every week have somebody new moving to Nashville who hits me up on Instagram yeah. or Facebook, like, "Hey, man, I've been following you. I'm just moving to town." And I'll always do coffee or lunch or with somebody new because I want to encourage, especially younger guys. They're 25. They just moved here. They don't know anybody, and they got a zillion questions, and they want to be you know, they want to, you know, they study these guys and they want to be Matt Garska or whoever. And it's like, this is good. This is a good example, but let's talk about the real life stuff because there's only gonna be a few of those guys in the world who make a living. What do you do on the practical level, especially in a town like Nashville, that's very song oriented. 
nobody's here to see your chops. Everybody's here to hear you play. How well do you play music? So mm-hmm. anyways, I'm always, my first thing I say is you've got to be easy to work with. You've got to be a good guy and be able to hang out with people. Like that's going to get you more work than anything. Mm-hmm. You assume once you move to a town, Nashville, L.A., New York, anywhere with a lot of musicians, everybody's good enough. So it's not about how do you compare to this guy or this guy or, you know, how am I compared to you or Matt or whatever. We could all play different, but just assume we're all good enough for the gig. So what are people going to hire you based on? Can they get along? You obviously have to be on time. you got to do your homework. you got to know your stuff. Your gear has got to be good. But the most important thing is can you sit in a van, can you sit in an airplane, can you sit in a bus, a sprinter, whatever, for 12 hours with people and them not hate you? Because that's probably the hardest thing about keeping gigs, especially, you know, I've bounced around to a lot of different styles and groups and different ages, and it's like so much is just being laid back. And I'm kind of in between type A where I'm really OCD and my gear is clean and my house is clean and yada, yada. But I get on the road and I'm like, man, it's not going to be on time. There's not going to be food sometimes. We're not going to get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff you don't – nobody teaches you when you're growing up watching videos or YouTube or whatever. Like none of that's the real life stuff you hear. But that to me has just helped me get work, keep work. And I just learned from my mistakes because I've made a ton of mistakes and you know, had people not like me or fire me or whatever. So I think – Getting along with people is going to get you more work than anything else about being a successful drummer. And then you get into like the nuances of how you play and how you hit your drums and how are your dynamics and how well do you learn the song and can you learn the record? Can you not learn the record? Like, there's that's a whole nother. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole nother seminar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember that's touring in um, Southeast Asia for the uh, for a Zildjian Clinic tour, and I was with yeah. I was touring Aaron actually. Um, no, I was touring with Rashid Williams, who plays for oh, John Legend. Cool. And yeah. he he told me something I had never heard before, which was there's a difference between artist and talent. So in my mind, they're synonymous. You're you're in a band, you're part of a band, you're a musician. And he was telling me in sort of a without coming out and saying it, that he was kind of jealous of someone like me who is an artist. And I mm-hmm. said, Well, what's the difference between me and you? He said, Well, I'm just talent. And I said, Well, what okay, so I own the band that I'm in and you're employed to play for the band that you're in. He said, yeah, there's a huge difference. And so I'm just curious, I mean, your list of bands that you've played for or actively play for is a lot longer than mine. Mine's, mine starts and stops at one. I mean, I literally started <laughs> August Wins Red in 2003 and it's the only thing I've really ever done. So I, I'm just curious, what, what, what's it like to, to be talent in so many of those bands where you're being called to play versus if if you've ever had the experience of being an artist where it's like oh i actually have ownership in this and maybe you have more skin in the game i've loved getting to do both there's definitely perks to both but i try to explain it to guys because i was in amber pacific and we weren't hugely successful but i mean we had videos on mtv and songs on you know radio and video games and tv shows and that kind of stuff so in our day on the warp tour we were pretty established we were not August Burns Red by any means, but we were, you know, a known band. I loved it because I played on the records, you know, helped design the merch. We were all on the posters. We were signing autographs like that. That's just something that a hired gun never gets to really do. Mm-hmm. And they don't get the, you know, when kids came to the show and would air drum my parts and talk to me about, I love what you played on this track. Like that, that means the world to a drummer, you know, who, who invests their heart and soul into a band. But I always explain it like, being in a band that's successful to even make a living is like winning the lottery because it almost doesn't matter how good your band is, people are gonna like you or not like you. And you could be a great band and you're underground and nobody likes you, or you could have huge radio success, or you could coast somewhere in the middle and make a living. And it's like, you have to decide what's the amount of success that makes you happy and keeps you going and keeps you there because that's so hard to do. And I got to do almost 10 years touring with my guys. But Mm. then moving back to Nashville, I had to go, okay, I'm starting over. I'm a hired gun. And I learned very quickly, the biggest thing that I think most hired guns experience if you've done both is nobody cares about your opinion. And that's a little harsh to say it like that, but you're there in the service industry. Your goal is to do a job. So I walk in, it doesn't matter if I'm playing 90s country or Creed or worship, I'm going to try to play the record. And if they say, hey, you can change this up, then change it up. But you never walk in and just go check out this cool lick I have. Like, you can only do that yeah. in your own stuff. And so essentially, you're trying to go in and serve the the song, the situation, the artist, and just remember that like people only care about them. And that's really hard at first, because you'll get on stage in front of 10,000 people and be like, I'm crushing this, or this band is great. 
and you could walk right off stage straight into the crowd and they won't even know that you were up there. Oh, and that blows exactly, my mind. Exactly, exactly. That's <laughs> such so, a weird concept to me. It is. It's such a blow to your ego, but then at the same time, <laughs> usually in the hired gun world, if you work your way up, sometimes you can be paid better, sometimes you can be treated better, sometimes whatever. It's such a hit or miss because the band world, it just depends how successful you are. But you're riding on like, this band is the only thing, if somebody quits, we might end. If if this kind of music dies out, we might end. If, you know, mm-hmm. a member leaves, if a member dies, there's just so many scenarios where a band can end quickly. So that's kind of the long version of I, how I look at it, but there's definitely uh, yeah. pros to both. That's a great point. And it, it makes me think about the tour we did, um, I guess two tours back. So Killswitch tour was, you know, all the actual members, but we had a little stretch there where my vocalist wasn't able to be there for like, I think it was like six or seven makeup shows. I mean, it was yeah. enough to kind of gauge how things are going. And I remember thinking, this is going to be catastrophic to our band. Our vocalist can't be here for these shows. It's not fair to the, you know, to the fans. Yeah. The first show was kind of weird. Our fill-in was great. But still, you think to yourself, there's, there's no way it's going to go unnoticed. Yeah. It didn't go unnoticed, but it made me realize that everyone is replaceable. And the the like <laughs> yeah. the machine keeps keeps going, and I guess I yeah. had never I had too high a view of myself or too high a view of each individual member, but when it comes down to it, what I've noticed is fans are there to hear the music, and yeah, they might like one member more than another, or they might really be excited to see the band play with its original lineup, but everyone's replaceable and it, it's a humbling thought and i imagine as talent <laughs> yeah. it's even more so where like you just said you played for ten thousand people i'm going down into the barricade to talk to people i'm expecting some people to come up and be like do a great job but i've seen yeah. it where like fill-in guys will play and then they go walking straight out to concessions or out to merch and like no one's stopping them mm-hmm. i'm like this yeah. is the guy that just did that <laughs> i know <laughs> And like I've been with Stapp long enough where a lot of his super fans know us by name and they, you know, follow us on social media. But I swear we could play in front of an arena or even bigger at times. Right. And you could walk, you could be standing at merch and they'll come up and think you're the merch guy. I mean, it's just like, (laughs) it's so humbling because they just have no concept. I'm like, but I was on the screen. I was on, and they just, they only watch the front man in that scenario. So it's good because it just reminds you you're replaceable. That's so true. Absolutely. And it keeps you humble and you're like, man, I'm thankful. There's so many days I wanted to complain. And then you stop and go, man, I'm thankful. I do this. I love what I do. There's a zillion guys who want my job. And a good reminder, there's a zillion guys good enough for my job. Oh, exactly. And as soon as I mess up or have a crappy attitude, they're going to replace me. So it Absolutely. just keeps you going, man, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to play music. What a blessing. And, and you know, just what a cool opportunity. So that's, yeah. um, it keeps you going. That's how Aaron Spears, part of how Aaron Spears got so good, I think, from just talking to him over the years. He said he grew up yeah. in church. And definitely, he would have a line of... He said there was a line of drummers waiting to play as soon as he messed up. And that, that for me, is such a, a new concept. Tim, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that before, but it's like, can you imagine I mean, playing and there's sure. like 10 drummers waiting with like sticks in their hands to sit down well, and play? Especially at church, because I grew up in like the CCM, like, you know, the Hillsong kind of worship and delirious. I didn't grow up in the, like, in the black gospel world, so... Those guys yeah. have so much more chops than I do or than I grew up around. But in that church world, it's totally like those drummers can all rip. So I can imagine he had yeah. a lot of pressure to Sorry, just dude. keep being You sharp. guys are going to be standing in line for the rest of the church service because Aaron's <laughs> playing. So right. it, you, just sit down. Seriously. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> that guy learned a lot of humility even from that, being the I best bet. in the biz. He's a, he's a humble guy. Oh, my word. That's yeah. cool. So uh, I'm curious, you've been playing with Scott Stapp for seven years, you said. Were, were you a Creed fan when you were younger? Not really, and not to bash him at all. I wasn't like, oh, yeah. I hate him. It wasn't like the Nickelback thing where everybody kind of hated on him. I just was so into punk rock by college, and I was at a music school in Nashville called Belmont, and that's where I got my degree. And yeah. I was the guy who was like, I didn't have tattoos yet, but I was like, I'm going to be in a punk band. I'm going to go share Jesus with the world. I'm going to play drums and be super fast. And like, that's what I was into. So I kind of missed Creed in the big era. I remember hearing all the hits because they just had so many, but yeah. I wasn't like Mr. Superfan. But then when it came up, 
the opportunity came up and it was one of those where like I'd played on a country gig with a bass player. We'd only played together once. We'd only met once. And I asked him what he did. And he said, well, I was in this band called Everclear for 10 years. And now I play for the singer Creed. Wow. And I was like, really in Nashville? That's not like a Nashville gig. He's in Florida. And so six months later, he called me and said, hey, we need a guy in two weeks. You're the first guy I thought of. Can you do it? Will you be ready? And I was out with the Christian band Fireflight, and I said, I got to finish these dates. They're going overseas. I can't make them change their flights. But I learned all the material. I didn't say anything to anybody, just kept my head down, kept going, and then started that back in 2015, jumped on the gig. So it's a like it's a ton of fun musically, and you're playing these anthems that people know all the words. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's... I mean, it's not like playing worship, but it's almost to that extent where you're watching an entire crowd sing every song. And I've never played with any other artist that has that kind of like diehard yeah. following. But no, to go back, like yeah. I had the first Creed, so I had the first cool. Creed CD, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, I didn't have any other records except their first one. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so what's it like cool. playing behind those iconic songs? Like, is it... Is it surreal or it is, is. it kind of just, and yeah. No, it's very cool. Um, and Scott's so good. He's a great front man. He's been sober for, I don't know, eight years or something. Like he's Mr. Health Nut. He's so yeah. focused on his voice Heard and that. just taking care of himself and his family. So he's like the guy who gets up there every night. He's never going to half-hearted. He's going to go into it and like, we could be playing to 200 or 20,000. He's going to act like it's the same crowd. And I respect any singer, That's the front awesome. man that does that. So yeah, it's, um, but it's almost like playing country or basic pop from the standpoint of like these are massive hits so don't change the song and this is something i try to teach younger players if this song was a number one hit they don't want your spin on it they want you to play the record and so that doesn't mean i never do my own fills but if you're playing arms wide open or higher like play them like the friggin record because that's what people know that's what they want to hear they don't want to hear oh i got this cool lick it's like no <laughs> right. honor the song honor the band that did it like go into it and go, I'm going to make this sound like, and you just, you kind of give up your own flavor a little bit to just go, man, a great hired gun. I think like, what would Kenny Arnoff, what would Josh Freeze, what would these guys do that I look up to? They'd walk in and they'd play the record. They might've friggin' played on the actual record, <laughs> but they would be the guys that would go, I'm going to play the part. So yeah. that's what I, that's essentially <laughs> what I try and do. That's funny. That's awesome, I, what, what is it? Um, so the, the set list we're currently playing is hard. They're all, all of our songs are hard. People ask like, what's your hardest song? I'm like, they're, they're all pretty hard for me. Years but, up. Yeah. Um, but there's one song in particular that's really hard. It's called Beauty and Tragedy. It starts off with this linear fill um, where your right hand's playing in between your right foot. So it's like the Vinnie Kaliuta thing, but then you're doing like three over four and you're going across the kit and it's just you, right? So you're thinking, oh gosh, I can't <laughs> mess this up. Um, right. What, <laughs> what, what song or what... Yeah, what song's hardest for you in that set list? Is there one that stands out like, oh, crap, here it is. Here's that fill. Oh, uh, no. Okay. I mean, honestly, <laughs> with the, and that's not because I'm Mr. Like, we're playing nothing like you're playing. I couldn't play any of your stuff. Um, but I will say what's funny is with Amber Pacific, we played this last month. We did a show with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. We hadn't played in three years. We've been a band coming on 20 years, a while. But I had to relearn my old drum parts, and I'm looking back and listening to the records, and I even did like an instructional DVD back in the day and broke down a lot of my parts and I was real into the teaching side, but I'm listening going, I was 25, like how the heck did I play this? I can't play it now. So I'm trying to learn, like relearn these old parts and there's a couple fills that start songs that like our fans know and they're, you know, they're kind of like, they're not that hard, but they're hard. And I'm not a double kick guy, but I use double kick on a couple fills and then I'm really adamant about, it. I play the punk beat single pedal. Oh, and so that's awesome. Any, yeah, anything See, I over can't 200. Do that. And that's like, that's my thing in punk rock I grew up on MXPX and no effects. And that's the one thing I say I'm really good at is like, I can go do -ga, do -ga, do -ga, all yeah. day long without stopping. <laughs> yeah, and that's so amazing. that's huge. We're playing these, you know, I've, I'm older, I've gained weight. I'm not in the shape I was in Warped Race play with my shirt off. And, you know, I was a little bit cut. Anyways, all this to say, I'm relearning my parts and I'm just like, we get on stage and your adrenaline's going, you're already tired. It's song six in the set. And I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> and so we have we have several of those. I would say the Ember Pacific set for me is also pretty tough because there's a lot of just unique drum parts, but especially the fast stuff. There's a song called Summer and B that's fast the whole time. And just think like MXPX speed, the whole song. And I played live to a click. I was super adamant about that. Nice. Which in punk, which I mean, metal guys do, but punk guys did not. And uh -uh. so yeah. I remember like Brooks Wackerman back when he was in Bad Religion, he came and stood behind me on Warp Tour and he watched the whole set. He's like, man, your timing was so solid. I was like, well, I'm playing to a click. And he's like, Brooks was just like, nope, what? Why would you play to a click? I'm like, 
you're friggin' Brooks Wackerman. Certainly you. Right. And he's like, well, I can, but Bad Religion never would. And, uh, and it was kind of the same yeah, thing. Jordan from funny. Strung Out, when he came and watched me, and Yuri from MXPX, Smelly from No Effects, who's one of my favorites. Like, I've sat in with No Effects a handful of times, and he was just like, I, love I can't believe no you effects. play to a click. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we love No say, Effects. Yeah. We, we, um, we did a tour. We did a festival tour with No Effects. In, really? Yeah, in Australia. I think it was called Big Big Night Out, and we were on okay. a bus with Fat Mike and his either his girlfriend or his wife. And the bus went around a turn, and the the luggage compartment came open, and a bunch of suitcases went out the side onto the road, and it was Fat Mike's. <laughs> and he got off the bus. He was so mad. I bet. Oh, oh my gosh, my guitarist is a huge fan of No Effects so much so we covered Linoleum, like seven or eight years ago actually maybe more than I that love it. 10 years ago yeah. so in wow. my warp tour heyday three of my years on warp tour i led a bible study and there's footage back on fuse tv when that was a thing where fat mike showed up at the bible study and i was leading the bible study and this is the first time i met him and he came in just expecting to like rip us apart about we're idiots because we love the lord and after the thing, I just walked up and I said, man, Punk and Drublick's one of my favorite punk records. I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan. And so that whole summer, we just got to know each other and talked all summer long. And he would go, what about this? And I'd say, well, I don't have a great answer why God lets innocent you know, babies die or whatever. But we just went back and forth all summer. And then eventually they let me start sitting in on songs and playing with them. So, wow. It, yeah, it so wasn't like sick. Fat Mike. Yeah, it wasn't like Fat Mike came to Jesus or anything, but it was like... I was sharing with one of my heroes my yeah. faith as a 26, 27, 28-year-old kid, like what was important to me. And But he knew that I respected his music. I knew his whole catalog. Like I was a diehard No Effects fan. So it was a huge opportunity just to just to be real, you know? And yeah. looking back, he would remember that, but it's not like I talked to him all the time. But if right. I saw him, I would talk to him. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Hmm. So th- if there's one thing that I can um, say I noticed right away after talking to you for a short amount of time is your your zeal for your faith. <laughs> <laughs> You're excited about it. It's uh, it's very prominent. Uh, I'm curious to know, like, what got you here? Did you grow up in church? Did you grow up in a Christian family? Like, what's, what's your story? Yeah, I was super fortunate to grow up in a Christian family. My dad has been a pastor since just before I was born. And my parents are, I'm 41. They are... They've been in full-time ministry that whole time. Hmm. But I came from a home where my dad was an atheist. My dad and mom got pregnant in high school, and they spent seven years with my mom as a Christian, my dad not. And then he had a radical transformation when he was 25, got saved, went to seminary, and became a pastor. So my whole life I've known them. They've just been like, my parents love the Lord. They're on fire. They're still. Hmm. Yesterday, last week was their 55th anniversary. Like They've just wow. been going strong as a like anybody who meets them, they're just still, they're just making a difference for the gospel. So they've been some of my biggest support as, you know, friends and parents and loving me and trying to raise me in a home where I understood the Bible and understood the value of of scripture and God's word and, you know, truth. And so that, I mean, they're not perfect, but they are about as close to as great parents as I could have possibly had. So mm. I'm still super close with them. And that's been my biggest impacting thing, you know, as far as my view of the local church, my view of Christianity, of scripture, and then of my calling, you know, they were so behind me. I said, I want to go into, you know, punk rock and I want to be an example. And they're like, Hey, if you're following Jesus, we don't care where you go. Just make sure that, make sure that he's the focus and it's not about you or your music. And like any musician, you battle that, you struggle that because you, you know, I've changed so many music genres and things over the years, but they just always bring me back to like, what's your focus? Is this about you or is this about the Lord? Because he's going to bless it if it's about him and he's going to use you. But when you make it about yourself, it's going to be, you know, you're going to face more challenges. So mm-hmm. that's kind of always been the great reminder from them. And, huh. you know, I just talked, I talked to both my parents today. So we're just, we're very close. So that's definitely that's awesome. what I was fortunate enough to grow up in. And I started drumming in worship when I was probably 12. So that was my first, I started a lot later than a lot of, like a lot of my drum students now are six or five or, you know, seven. They're just super young and they're watching YouTube and they can already play you know, an ACDC beat or something, but I started a little later, but started middle school and I started doing worship and that's just kind of always been one of my things too. So that's, that's really helped me stay connected. I mean, I've always been involved in church and not 
like even for a touring guy, I'm just always faithful to be like, I'm going to serve in a church. I'm going to be on the team. It's going to make sure that I go. I'm not going to always be too tired to go. And, and I'm not going to get jaded because I hate that about on the road. So many Christian guys and girls in Christian bands, artists, or just Christians who play in mainstream bands, they just hate the church. They're burned on the church. They got burned in youth group. They got told tattoos are wrong, whatever. You know, there's so many things that we face, or especially in our childhood youth group era, mm-hmm. that just made people hate the church. And it's like, well, man, I believe no church is perfect, but the church is the bride of Christ. So that's like what God put on earth to reach people. Like that's that's the best way we can stay connected. So mm-hmm. I'm always going to see value in that. And that 100% comes from my parents because I rarely talk to anybody who will agree with me on that whole issue. But mm. like, I believe that to the core. Yeah, we've talked That's about awesome, this man. a lot on this podcast too, where um, I believe personally that God gives you something to do with your life and that something that you're doing with your life doesn't scream um, spirituality or faith or religion. Um, it, it's something that you do really well, something you put you know, all of your heart into and you work really hard and you garner the respect of the people around you. And you actually learn a lot from the people around you, regardless of what they believe or who they love or how they live their lives. And, and that, that's been my experience with ABR. In the beginning, it was like, this is going to be my ministry. I'm going to do something really great with this because I have all the answers. And then you start the band as a 17-year-old kid and you realize, wow, um, I'm on my first tour with Terror and Scott Vogel is asking me um, if gay people go to hell. And I'm standing here yeah. going, this seemed like a really easy thing to talk about <laughs> when I'm surrounded by people who all think one thing. Regardless of what that is, but now here I am. I know I'm getting pushed. Honestly, um, I have no idea. That's what do you think? You know. Then I'm listening (laughs) to him talk to me. I'm like, well, that's a really good answer. Actually, it sounds a lot more fair than what I was taught at times in church. So my experience over over the course of almost 20 years, like you were saying, Amber, um, Pacific's been almost 20 years. It's been a long time, and I've learned a lot more from people than I think at times I've taught them. And through the gift of drumming, which I believe God gave me to pursue and work hard in, that has given me opportunities to live my life, good and bad times. And people, pe- people want to talk to you at that point because there's this common denominator, something that they, c- they can respect you for. Um, and that was new to me. I didn't think, it was, I didn't think life was going to be like that. I thought it was going to be different. But in the end, it's like, I'm glad that God gave us the passion to do something really cool with our lives. Uh, and then through that, we can actually talk to people about what's beneath everything. You know, what's at the deepest level yeah. of why you do this thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so fulfilling. Every day is like a new learning experience, um, regardless of who you're around or where you're at in the world. And I think that's just a really amazing thing about the music industry. It's like a tight knit family. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I feel like um, musicians typically are respectful of each other, even with polar opposite views. I see that a lot with, you Mm -hmm. know, extreme right and left and political and this and that. And I just think if you can gain somebody's respect in the music world, you're going to have some common ground and they go, hey, we don't believe everything the same, but I know that dude's the real deal. He's been touring the last 20 years. I get he has a similar lifestyle to me and we can relate. And so that has Mm -hmm. opened up a lot of great late night conversations. Yeah. And I think something that I've struggled with as a kid and grown so much in is being not being judgmental. And I think oh, yeah. Christianity on the whole, not not because of Jesus, but I just think as people, we've often messed up with being too judgmental of you're wrong, you do it different, right. this is wrong, yeah. this is wrong. And I don't think that's how Jesus was, but I think part of it's how we were raised and I grew up in that as well. It was so Same. black and white. And I still mm-hmm. believe in absolute right and wrong, but I think... Man, Jesus loved people. He was hanging around people. He was spending time with people, and he wasn't condemning everybody. He called out right and wrong, but mm-hmm. that's just helped me a lot over the years to go, man, I need to need to be less judgmental, one, and two, need to think, man, I'm not perfect. I got a lot of crap in my life as well, so mm-hmm. there's no place for me to be sitting here telling somebody what they're doing is wrong. And and I think when people see that as a Christian, they're like, oh, but you're, you're genuine. That's cool. You're not here to tell me, you know, I'm going to hell or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The case. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is a nice thing to not be kinda, told. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've kind of taken, it's it's funny, like, and you haven't listened, you probably haven't listened to this podcast before, but for anyone listening, they, they, they know if they've listened to 
this podcast from episode one, we've kind of like been all over the place as far as like our thoughts and feelings towards the church. Um, oh yeah, we I never bet. stopped loving the church, but we've had some really tough conversations and like definitely called out yeah. <laughs> people in the church for for things that are you know that are wrong that are not. Uh, Christ-like, you know, and and so um, I really respect that through all of that, that you still have this love for the church, and yeah. it comes through. It's Absolutely. it's uh, it's really cool. It's like something that I feel like I've just started to find again. You know, I was mm. so hurt at at a point in my life, and 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 now it's like, okay, well, it doesn't. Regardless of what's happened, it happened because yeah. people are people, and people suck, and and they're gonna mess they're gonna mess things up, but. Like you said, and this is so cool, that the church is the bride of Christ. God loves the church. Mm-hmm. If I want to be like that, then I need to love the church too. And that's like a more recent realization, I think, for for me that I had to come to mm. after everything, you know? So mm. I love I love everything you're saying, man. And it's uh, I, I got a lot of respect for you. Yeah. Well, thanks. I think it's a hard one because even as a pastor's kid, I was the kid who grew up loving church, loving being there, serving in worship. You know, my dad would have me up reading scripture or whatever as a little kid. But as an adult, I've been through so many churches and lived in different places and I've been burned and I've been hurt and I've had worship leaders crush me and hurt my feelings. And I've had pastors do things that offended me. And so I've, I'm not saying I've been there the same as everybody. I haven't, but I've had places where I went through a divorce a few years ago and was in a mega church at the time and just felt like nobody cares. Nobody's reached out. Nobody's helping me. And Mm -hmm. I've gone to leadership Mm -hmm. and said, here's where we're at. This is, you know, I need help in life or we need, we need help or whatever. And so I've had some tough things as well, where I just felt like this sucks. This is not how the church is supposed to be, but I had to keep going. I had to find somewhere else. I had to move on and go, all right, I need to I can't write off all Christians and all church experiences mm-hmm. based on what happened here. And mm-hmm, I think yeah. so many Christians do that. They have that one life-altering experience, and they're like, I'm never going in again. I hate those mother effers. You know, that's it. That's I'm done. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and you're like, that was 20 years ago, and you haven't even thought about church since then? That's, I mean, that's like a lot of musicians I meet, I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. I, that yeah. actually happened to me. Um, I had a mo. I don't know, this was probably a year and a half ago. I was riding my truck with my pastor to a, um, a friend's funeral. And he was telling me about a friend of ours who had passed away a couple of years before that, who was just so bitter and cynical about the church. And while he was talking about it, I was like, I don't want to be 55 in 20 years and be that guy. And that's kind of where yeah. I'm headed with the mentality I have because I'd gone yeah. through a divorce and similar situation where my, my, I had to wake up and realize that you're alone and you really have Jesus and um, maybe not a whole lot more than that. And also I was to blame for, I had a lot of growing up to do. And it was so much easier just to deflect and say, oh, the church failed me and these expectations I was taught in youth group with, I kissed dating goodbye and all the other other ideas. And I've, I think it was on that drive home. I, I told my pastor Bryce, I'm like, or no, I don't think I told him. I just thought it because I wasn't sure yet. But I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. And Tim yeah. and I, like Tim was saying, we've gone through this the last couple of years where if you go back and listen to episode one, you can probably hear us going from a place of cynicism and like, you know, the church is a bad place, but we love Jesus to like, <laughs> actually the church is really important. And yeah. a lot of people suck, including me. and you and that's actually why we need jesus um but that i mean that for me was like what hit at home i fast forwarded 20 years i was like i do not want to be that guy Mm -hmm. well good for you that's just such a humble realization to get to that place where you're where you go this is just me and god i gotta make a decision because i've done that a lot where i'm like i'll blame anybody else or deflect anything and then go man Maybe I'm the issue in this scenario. (laughs) Maybe it's me and it's my crappy attitude or whatever. Yeah. Right. Have you, um, have you had any challenges on tour playing drums? Um, for example, on this tour, there are some really fast double bass parts where I don't want to tell people about it because then it becomes real and people will notice it and think about it and anticipate it. And I would rather just keep it here and work on it and try not to let anybody notice that it's really hard for me. Does that make sense to you guys? I, I think it yeah, might be called yeah. um, imposter, it, like the imposter mentality of like, 
that that might not be it, but in my mind that makes sense with the term. I'm I'm pretending to be something at times that I'm not. Do you guys ever run into that with drumming where it's like, oh, I'm gonna walk into this audition and like act like I have it all Fake together, it but I really hope that sure. they don't notice. Yeah. Yep. Yes. But what's funny is like you're coming from a place where your music is so technical and your drum parts are so ridiculous that <laughs> It's like no human can play them perfect every night, even if you nail them 98% of the time. So it's like your expectation for yourself is so high, but it is. realistically, listen to the stuff you're playing. It's not how many kids can sit down and how many adults, how many, even like, I think if Vinnie Caliuta sat down, like, could he play your set? Probably not. So <laughs> maybe maybe give yourself a little grace. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm super hard on myself with this. I was talking to my wife about it four days ago, first day of the tour. And I'm like, I'm just bummed because I have this long tour and I can't nail, you know, this one part. She's like, Matt, your standard's so high for yourself. Yeah. I'm like, I know, but everyone notices. And then I watch videos back and it's like, actually sounds really good. And no one's talked to me about it. So yeah, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> right. Matt, you told me a story about uh, getting Adam into the studio and he like felt like he wasn't prepared. And then like two years later, he watched that video back and yeah. was like shocked at how good he was. I have a feeling that's probably this, a similar situation. I agree. You'll see recordings of this tour years down the road and be like, man, I was... In my prime, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I could never do that now. I'm just using your own words right back I to know, you. I know, I know. Thank you for reminding I, me. I struggle a little with younger players having so much more chops than what I grew up mm-hmm. learning. And we were like, we were pre-YouTube era. And so I watch these kids and with metal chops or gospel chops or whatever. And I go out and I play these Creed songs. And I'm like, I know I'm nailing the songs. But we get to the end. We got trash can endings and stuff. And I'm throwing my stuff in there. But I'm just like, these kids all know I suck. Like, this is, I'm terrible. <laughs> and probably nobody's thinking that. Uh, no but way. then, like, you know, guys are standing on the side of the stage. So last two weeks ago, we did a festival, and it was us, and Puddle of Mud, and Saliva, like all these like early 2000s bands. Again, I did, not stuff I grew up on, but I respect they're still around, they got these massive hits, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and their drummers are standing there, and I'm just thinking like, they know I suck, I'm terrible, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, after the That's show, they're like, you guys are the tightest thing ever, and I'm thinking, a lot of those bands didn't play the tracks or click, it's just a different generation, yeah. so I know. to them, like, we're all super tight if we play the track, you know, tracks or click. Well, every kid in youth group now plays the tracks and clicks, so it's just... That's right. Part it's a of different that, era, man. Yeah, that era. But then I got to go. You know what? I'm not the best, but I'm good at what I do. I just gotta. <laughs> I gotta be yeah. thankful and be here because I'll beat myself up. So our guitar player was Stap. He's a European guy, and he plays European like metal stuff, ridiculous. And he's in a band with George Kalias, that drummer <laughs> who's mid 40s or whatever. That's just ridiculous. And so every time he comes over, you know, he'll practice for five hours a day on a metronome, and I know he's looking at me going. That's what you play. And we're super good friends, so I, he would laugh if I was telling this. But, like, yeah. that's his background is chops and yeah, metal. Absolutely. And I'm and I'm in Nashville working on grooves and country stuff and going, how do I tune this snare to sound better on this track? Like, that's how I'm focusing on stuff. And it's just a different world. And I got to go, you know, we meet. The common ground is here. And we're both playing Creed songs, and we're doing the best we can. So That's cool. That's, don't, yeah, d- don't beat yourself up over it. That's good insight. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just putting that out there as just to look into who I am because we all know it's more freeing to talk about the things that we're insecure about or that we want to hide, yeah. right? There's so much more freedom to just talk about it than to hide it. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's good insight. So I... So, yeah, go for it. Oh, one other thing. I do clinics on occasion, not like you by any means. And I never solo to clinic. I always play this, you know, track stuff I've recorded, punk rock stuff, worship stuff, country. But most of my stuff is laid out like a lesson where I'm teaching. This mm-hmm. is how you you know, pursue a career. But I'm so insecure when I do clinics because I know there's kids out there who grow up playing along to your records and they're sitting there going, when are you going to play fast? I'm like, bro, I'm here to talk about music. I can't play fast all the yeah. time. <laughs> and so that's kind of a genuine struggle I have. And yeah. I still love doing clinics. I love teaching, but I go, that's just, you know, this is my thing. This is what I do. I try to be good at what I do and just it's not all speed and yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that's the only thing you do I'm just saying for example yeah. your music's very fast as well so that's all I that's can part do. Of what you do I'm just I'm just fast <laughs> <laughs> I um so we're coming up here on an hour um uh so if you're listening to this podcast we do a lot of episodes where it's just Tim and I it's really special to have a guest especially especially this episode in particular where we haven't had a guest in a while it's someone that's really 
has a lot of insight, a lot of experience. Um, so I don't want to take over too much time. I know you're busy and I was a little late to this. So that's, that's jump to the Holy Ghost notes, inner circle question. Um, yeah. Or questions, Tim, you have that on hand. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so, uh, for those of you listening, our inner circle is, um, just a group underneath the podcast, um, that support us through Patreon and, um, they kind of continue the conversation after the fact, but I threw it out there that Dango was going to be coming on and, and, um, uh, I got a, a, a couple good questions. I, I have one here. I want to, uh, to throw out there. Uh, and I love this question actually, um, because, uh, it's, uh, it, it kind of talks a little bit about what you had mentioned um, earlier about what you like about people coming up to you after your Amber Pacific shows. So here we go. Right. This one's from uh, Daniel McIntyre. Uh, he says, uh, I grew up listening and playing along to Amber Pacific and many other nice. punk rock bands during the 2000s. Uh, punk rock drumming can have the habit of falling into some cliches and cookie cutter paradigms. Despite that, you always seem to bring something fresh to your drumming and I've been able to recognize the Dango imprint on your playing. Uh, what has been your creative process for creating unique drum parts and how has that evolved for you over the years as you have moved on to other projects? Mm, that's a great question. First of all, thank you. That's just super rewarding and humbling when anybody follows your career, your drumming, your parts specifically. I grew up very intentional about drum parts because of my background. Everybody's background's different but I tried to bring my influence of playing rock, of playing worship, of doing pop stuff and going, how do I put that into my punk rock world? I also, about the time I was hitting, actually playing on records was about the peak of when Travis Barker was getting big. And I loved watching how he thought about stuff because it was always out of the box and it was different, but it always sounded like him. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't like, I was not a Travis Barker clone at all, but it just made me go, oh, he put something there that's not straight time. Mm -hmm. And I had all the fast punk records. I was super influenced by MXPX, No Effects, Lagwagon, Strung Out. That's where I got the speed stuff from and the fast single fills with accents. Yeah. But I started going, how can I put extra stuff in there? And my first instructional video, VHS, was Neil Peart. And I remember him nice. talking through, I mean, again, a great, just great all-around player. But he talked about songs like, this is how you build it. This is the first verse. This pre-chorus is just like the last one, but you change it a little. This chorus is a little different. So I, that impacted me a lot as a you know early teenager of going, okay, how do I make this part my own? And so when I went into records, I always said, give it a signature thing that's part of the song that always comes back to, like mm. that's the drum hook. And don't make the chorus too busy. That's one thing I've always done is like, even mm. if it's fast or slow, the chorus can't have a bunch of fills. It's got to be, at least for my way of thinking, it's got to be really melodic. Mm -hmm. And then if you're putting something crazy in, it's in a transition. Or I did a lot of verses with weird, syncopated, you know, to a non-punk drummer, they go, that's very Travis Barker, but just a lot of like mm -hmm. bells and chinas and splashes and stuff. So that mm -hmm. was a big part of my that's sound cool. on those records as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. Awesome. That's a great answer. Good answer. I have one more question for you, and yeah. this might... Uh, you can plead the fifth if you want, because this might get you into, into some trouble if you answer honestly. <laughs> um, but I, So I'm a huge pop punk fan, as we talked a little bit about before we started here. Um, that's kind of where my roots uh, lie. But out of all the different styles of music that you play, and you play a lot more than most people, <laughs> which, uh, which uh, style do you prefer to play and why? I mean, I have the most fun with punk rock because it's what I grew up loving, and it was like the, it's the most fun drumming. It's the busiest. It's the most creative for me, but also mm -hmm. the like high energy. You gotta focus on your endurance and focus on speed and focus on how hard you're hitting so that you're not blowing out your hands and wrists early on. That's the hardest thing for me when I jump into a heavy setting. Is like don't play too hard on the first song because I just want to slam. But <laughs> that said, I, I've come to a place where. I'm in my. I'm 41 now. I love playing music. So I used to be snob about punk and pop punk, and I love this. I'm never gonna play country. I'm never gonna play whatever. This style sucks. I hate this. Whatever. And the older you get, not only do you enjoy more music, but you just realize you love playing good music with good people. So there's good songs in every style. If you can be open to a style and learn to like it, and that's changed the way I play because I go, okay, if I'm country this weekend, how do I sound country? If I'm rock, if I'm playing folk, if I'm doing worship, how do I fit into that? and be the best I can be at that because that's what's going to serve the music. That's mm -hmm. what's going to help people engage and connect, mm -hmm. especially in a worship setting. The goal is to not put attention on yourself. 
But as a hired gun, I go, that's what I do. And that makes it super rewarding because mm-hmm. I was saying this weekend, I played on this country gig for 90s guy, Mark Wills. He's got nine number ones. And I thought, I'm going mm-hmm. to no rehearsal. All I want to do is not be a distraction, like play as close to the record. The band guys were great. They were super good musicians. And they were super encouraging. And my charts, thankfully, turned out to be really good. Oh, but good. my goal was just to, my goal is to execute. So it was like... I had as much fun doing that as I did playing because to me it was just rewarding to play good music, good people. But yes, if you took it like, hey, you're going to do one tour before the end of the year, what would you do? Of course, I would love to. I'd love to say I'm going to go out there and blast at 200 beats, (laughs) you know, 200 BPM and just play my because that's, I love that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. It's awesome, man. (laughs) That's a great answer. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Yeah. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks for taking the time. Is there anything else you want to hit on or that I could answer well, or just I, give my input? I do. For our, for our uh, listeners. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. I want to yeah. get a yeah, I want to get a picture. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cuz my setting's just too incredible. It's just I'm in a hotel on tour. All right, here we go. 1 2 Wait, I just got a text message and I don't want anyone to see what it says on my screen. Oh, no. Okay, here we, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 1 2 I got it. Matt just got married, so I, I can't imagine what that text <laughs> Congratulations. Was. Definitely not. I hope I, it was good. My, my, <laughs> this is still recording. Um, so, Annie, if you're listening to this, I know you're in Costa Rica, and I love you. And, Tim, that was inappropriate but acceptable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For the time. I love it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want, uh, Dango, if you have anything that you want to share, I know you do um, you do lessons and you're an educator. Uh, I know you're oh, yeah. going to be heading back out on tour. Uh, anything, how, like how, how can people find you, I guess, first and foremost? And if people want to take yeah. lessons from you, because everything you've said so far, I can tell that you're an educator um, and you're someone that I would want to learn from. So how, how, can, uh, how can people get in on this? Uh, probably the easiest way is just Instagram or Facebook. If you look up Dango Empire, pretty easy to find. Um, obviously, study with me because I'm the greatest of all time. Why would you <laughs> not want to come? <laughs> no. um, but I'm excited to teach all ages and help people if I can. I also do remote drum tracks here from what's called my Beat Lab. So I have this studio that I put quite a bit of money into, and I love to do tracking for people. And I've done clients all over the world now, so that's been pretty rewarding. And then I'm regularly on tour with Scott Stapp. Um, I started touring with this rock guy named Kurt Dimer in the last year, and that's with Phil X from Bon Jovi. So that's another gig that I do that we tour quite a bit, so that's also cool. cool. And then I also fill in with a lot of country people. So like this month, I'm going out with two different country artists on weekends that I'm not out with Stapp, so they kind of... Um, yeah, so if you follow me on socials, I'm all over the country quite a bit, and easy to come connect with me or meet me at a show or do coffee or whatever. I love meeting people. I love helping people. If I can help you in your journey, I'm all about that. And I just tell people I'm here to help you or encourage you or talk faith in a real way if you want to, because you don't have to agree with me. I don't have all the answers, but I love Jesus and I'm trying to make my life about that. Mm-hmm. You're doing a good it, job, man. man. So yeah. follow well, uh, so follow Dango Empire, D-A-N-G-O Empire, E-M-P-I-R-E on Instagram. And... Um, this has been really great, man. I really appreciate you doing this yeah. with us. Thank you. Yeah, man. I can't believe we didn't even talk about gear at all. That's so funny because I'm such a gearhead. But <laughs> you know what's funny is stuff. we rarely ever talk about gear. We on this rarely podcast. talk about gear. It's all mental. It's all yeah. mental drumming, man. Uh-huh. It's, right uh huh. Because there's so much to it. Yeah. Well, well, maybe cool. next time we'll talk about yeah. a symbol or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part two. Anyways, I I really appreciate you guys and asking me, and I feel honored. So thank you. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. And pleasure. I'd love to meet you both. So let's make a time yeah. if we're all in the or ever in the same cities. Let's get coffee or something. <laughs> For sure, man. Sounds yeah. good. If you ever find yourself in Jersey, you're always welcome to come hang. I yeah. will. I'll hit you up. And you're in Pennsylvania. Where are you at? I'm in Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I have a 70 acre farm, 140 acres with my two brothers. So if you come by, yeah. we're um, if we're talking gear, we're going to be sitting on a tractor or walking my cornfield. So you just got to kind of roll with it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Thanks, so buddy. So Jersey and Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks All a lot. All right, we'll see you.
thank you all for for listening. Um, that was just such a great conversation, and uh, I pulled a lot out of it. And uh, it was funny listening to him talk because, you know, we've been podcasting for over three years now and had a lot of conversations about drumming. And um, it was cool just hearing, like, different elements that he was able to bring that almost summarized a lot of what we've talked about over the course of three years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, different perspectives, even just, like, you know, how uh, he's got his own sound and... You know, you, you have to bring in a unique sound, like our conversation about if you if all the doors are closed and, and you hear someone drumming, mm-hmm. you don't know what they look like, you know, who do you think it is? Uh, having, having your own sound, uh, you know, even touching on the Christianity aspects um, that we've kind of grown to understand a little bit more somehow, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was just a. It was just a cool. It was a cool conversation. Cool to hear from him, and, and obviously he's someone with a with a load of experience. We didn't even touch on um, all of the acts that he has worked with or continues to work with, but there's a lot of them, and uh, mm-hmm. I would say ninety percent of them you've all heard of <laughs> if you're listening mm-hmm. to this. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you all for for being a part of this journey, um, and uh, yeah. Super cool. What what are your what some of your takeaways? Yeah. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I think it's evident that Dango is a great drummer, but the thing that I pick up on, which is the hardest thing for me to remember about my own career, is that the things that you're critical of yourself for um and the things that you hold in highest regard are, are oftentimes not the most important things and they're they're not the things that people that other people are going to be most critical of so in other words in my mind i talk to my wife about this sometimes the easy part is is talking to our fans the easy part is responding to messages the easy part is is um doing all the other work or just going throughout the day that's so easy um and so in my mind i don't see at times that it, it has the same amount of value in people's eyes as my drumming or the performance itself. But in just talking to Dango, it's obvious that the way that he communicates and the way that he sees the world and the way that he interacts with people, his, his worldview is admirable. And even if he were just an average drummer, um, he's very hireable. Mm-hmm. He he's he's a sought after drummer if only for that, and it's, yeah. it's obviously he's not an average drummer. He's he's skilled, but it's a good reminder for me that there are important aspects to being a good musician. But by and large, it's so important to to remember the things that are actually um, that have the highest value. And in just right. talking to him, it's like oh yeah, I mean no wonder he's played for. 10 different artists that I know of. He's grounded. I, 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 yeah. I, like, I agree. I would reference him too if, mm-hmm. if someone needed a drummer. Because when you reference someone, that is a projection on you too. Because mm-hmm. you're the one putting skin in the game for that person. So you would never want to recommend someone that's ridiculously good at drumming but an awful human being. <laughs> because they show up to the job and people are like, oh my gosh, what, what was Matt? Like, why did Matt even send this person over? So... I think that's my main takeaway. Um, yeah. Just a, seems like a really great person who's worked hard and is successful as yeah. a result. And um, happy to have him on the podcast. I, I think it's it was a really good episode for us to have. And it, it, like you said, it fits into the order of events that this podcast has laid out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Honored to have him on. Thanks again, Dango. Um, and I'd encourage mm-hmm. you guys to, to at, at the very least, follow him. Um, he's very active on social media, which I appreciate um, because there's always new content <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to, to see. And uh, he definitely he travels the world and does a lot of cool things. So uh, follow him, Dango Empire. Um, and if you guys are interested in, in lessons or um, even just having a conversation, uh, I mean, he threw it out there himself. He's a, mm-hmm. And he's a chill guy, so you, you won't regret uh, reaching out. I'm sure he'll respond. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely hit him up. And um, 
If you're interested in being a part of our community that we continue to talk about, <laughs> it's because we admire them so much. We love them. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a part of our inner circle, uh, check out patreon.com slash holy ghost notes. Um, mm-hmm. We do not uh, do any advertising. We don't um, make anyone pay for this podcast, but we do have a, uh, a loyal group of supporters behind us that keep us going. Um, and so if, uh, if you want to be a part of this, uh, and, and help the podcast grow, um, check out patreon.com slash holy ghost notes. And, um, first and foremost, you'll get inducted into our amazing community of people who continue the conversation after, uh, after we re- we finish recording. And, uh, there's also a, a number of other perks that you can get in on at various tier levels. So check that mm-hmm. out if you're interested. If not, no worries. We really appreciate you guys listening and and um, and interacting in other ways, like through social media. And um, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, feel free to hit us up at uh, probably Instagram's your best bet at Holy Ghost Notes. Shoot us a DM. Uh, otherwise, you can hit us up through email, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're a drummer, be sure to uh, post your drum videos and use the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes so that we can uh, check it out. Maybe reshare it. So That's right. Yeah. Tim, that was excellent. Yeah. Thank you. My recording it. is 8% uploaded, but uh, <laughs> it will eventually have to be 100. So I'll be sitting here in a hotel lobby and <laughs> drinking a beer. New York. <laughs> <laughs> what do they got on tap over there? Because <laughs> you might be there for Water. A <laughs> the Seneca Lake is right there. <laughs> yeah, lots of water. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you, Tim. This was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. See you guys soon. Peace. Peace.